0: This episode is sponsored by Krim. Krim skillfully designs and manufactures professional coffee equipment like their Onyx manual espresso machines, Coffee Queen filter brewers, and Unity, their fully automatic coffee makers. These sleek, versatile, and reliable machines come with proactive service plans to ensure a differentiated and seamless coffee experience for coffee professionals and enthusiasts. Find out more at crim.coffee. the Coffee Podcast. This is the Coffee Science Series, an introduction to coffee and health. It's the new year and a lot of us are thinking about our health, you know, the kind of thing you do like uh, exercise more, what can I put in my body, that kind of stuff. And in this episode, we introduce a topic which often finds itself challenged, coffee and how it relates to human health. Our guests will talk us through what science is available to us and how we can know it's trustworthy. Mark Corey is the Director of Scientific and Government Affairs at National Coffee Association. Mark told me his love for coffee started where it starts for many, while writing late night term papers for his degree in human nutrition at the University of Maine. He completed his PhD in food science and technology and then did internships for NASA for their advanced Food Systems Lab. In other words, he worked on products astronauts might end up eating on Mars. Additionally, he graduated from school and started at Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, now called Keurig Dr. Pepper, in Waterbury, Vermont. His work at the NCA started when he volunteered there for their scientific advisory group and served as chairperson for five years. After Keurig.
1: I went on to Heartland Food Products Group um, to work in their cold brew coffee program. Um, and then I settled at the NCA um, in early 2018. Um, and Bill Murray, um, president and CEO of the NCA, not the actor Bill Murray, but still uh, he's another <laughs> Bill Murray that worked in Hollywood, yeah. um, actually met with me on New Year's Day over at Chinese Food. Um, and we created my current role um, of wow. okay. uh, scientific and government affairs director. And then I moved to the Big Apple. Um, and then actually even here, my um, love, and I like to call it a mild obsession, with coffee um, has only strengthened um, because I'm surrounded just by so much incredible coffee culture in the city and the strong coffee community.
0: It's always nice to know the background of our guests before we start to dive into some topics. Um, You obviously have a lot of experience in the realm of research. I mean, for crying out loud, it sounds like you worked on uh, some some food that might end up on Mars. So uh, (laughs) that's pretty cool. It's always important to me to define the terms. What are we actually saying? And um, it's important to get comfortable with understanding or trying to chip away at what is the big picture. So my question for you as we talk about coffee health is when we're talking about this coffee health or or coffee health topics, what are we actually talking
1: about? When we talk about coffee and health, we're referring to how coffee can affect your body's health when you drink it. Many consumers of coffee may feel, they'll feel energized, um, excited, aroused when they drink their morning cup of coffee. And this is actually the caffeine and the other substances that are naturally found in roasted coffee that excite your neurons um, and give your body a boost in the morning. There are many health effects that you may not immediately feel, but that can also occur, especially if you drink like multiple cups of coffee, like myself included, in a day or even Mm -hmm. over many years. And there are many possible health and protective properties of drinking coffee that I think we'll get into later in the show. But these include benefits like um, coffee drinkers possibly living longer than non-coffee drinkers and having protection from developing type 2 diabetes, liver disease, cardiovascular diseases, depression, and even helping in weight management.
0: Now this um the the big one I think for people or the ones or, or the one one of the things you just said is really going to is really going to either land on people strongly or cause great skepticism right this uh idea of the implications of coffee drinking coffee on the length of life and what what is that what are the implications On the length of a coffee drinker versus the length of life of, say, somebody who uh, doesn't drink coffee.
1: The science. um, So when I talk about the science, I talk about like the peer reviewed literature, the published literature. This is where the researchers report their findings. And in this case, a number of studies have shown that when looking at hundreds of thousands of people following their coffee drinking and food consumption habits over decades, the researchers track their health, and the researchers really have found consistently an association between coffee drinkers living longer than their non-coffee drinking peers. And in addition, for many people, there can even be an additive protective effect or benefit by drinking several cups of coffee in a day um, with an optimal benefit, or I like to think of a sweet spot of drinking three to five cups of coffee in a day.
0: So I I think immediately, too, the the question that you might have, um, and we'll get into association soon, but I want to make sure we kind of lay some of the groundwork for that, you know, right off the bat. These studies, are they saying that um, we're, we're looking at something that's correlated or associated, or is this more of a causality sort of uh, finding? Or I know I'm kind of opening a can of worms here, but I think it's also an important question.
1: <laughs> it, it It's a very important question. And this gets into... It's called epidemiology, which we'll talk about too. It's a okay. big word, but but you have very highly trained doctors, physicians that actually look at the data across populations and it, it's getting, in this case, it gets into more of association. So if you think of like when you, I trained in statistics, but mm-hmm. um, when they're looking at you know, looking at across these huge studies of a lot of people and, you know, what they consume, what they drink, then versus what, you know, maybe diseases they get way, way down the road in life. And then they find this statistical association um, between like what they ate, what they drank, then, um, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. you know, whatever their health outcomes were. Um, so in this case, it's like an association, whereas um, we don't necessarily get into cause and effect, because when you get into then cause and effect, that's, it, it's even, it's a very, it's almost like a very strong case that you almost know, you know, whatever, whatever you consume or eat will cause this. Whereas a lot of science, they're not quite like there yet. They'll they'll stick to the association, which yeah. is, um, you know, what their models kind of tell them.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, you have to start somewhere. And I think seeing a trend and seeing a really strong association or a stronger correlation, from what I understand, is like, hey, this is worth looking into, right? This is worth maybe seeing if there's a way to test for causality. Is that kind of the, it's like a stepping stone towards looking for causality, right? Or am I? Exactly. Okay.
1: No, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, You're kind of, you're building the case for that. And especially in research, you have to make like a lot of baby steps. um, And then you uh, reproduce that many times over By researchers around the world. And it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly that it's building the research case to find out, you know, what the end answer is. And this helps, you know, kind of build that, that path.
0: Good. So if I was to boil this statement down, would it be safe for me to say there's a strong association with long or longevity in life with those who drink coffee and say, now I can't prove its causality, but it does look good. Like it's a it's something that does look good. So it it would be like if I was trying to make a decision off that. This, this is kind of the whole point, right? For me, like if I'm going to make a decision based on information I have, I could say, "Well, it looks good. the The data looks good. The modeling, the research looks great. I'm going to drink more coffee because I th- there's probably benefit for me there. And that would be like a safe kind of uh, assumption to make. Or I'm trying to put wheels on it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yes, and and that's what. I hope the goals of like why I'm, I'm actually really happy we can talk about coffee and health today because many consumers, even when we have research to, to, to back this up, is that many consumers don't know how coffee affects them um, mm-hmm. and they want to know. Um, and they'll even sometimes limit their coffee consumption because just because they don't know. Um, and yeah. so it's nice to be able to talk about you know, and even especially backed, we're backed by science to show that this is how coffee can affect their their health in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes there can actually be a benefit for many people. So it, it helps people be informed,
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about um, the scientific research process for determining whether or not anything is good for the human body. And the problem here, I find the the problem for me, is the media... Will pick up some research and they'll draw some conclusions and they imply things that maybe aren't in the the actual research and so it's hard to know like what can I actually run with. So what is the what is the scientific research process like for determining something like whether or not coffee is good for for something in my body?
1: The scientific research process um, it can go even over my head very quickly, but the nuts and bolts of it. Is that medical and scientific researchers? Um, they're usually associated with a university, hospital, or clinic. Um, they'll either run like a clinical health study or statistically evaluate the data um, for many studies. Um, they'll report it and publish their findings in a special scientific journal, which is intended to provide transparency in the research process. And the study or article is then reviewed, edited, and judged um, by typically three to five um, peer reviewers um, who will then determine um, whether or not the study can be published. This peer review process, like I've been a peer reviewer for articles within my, you know, my field. Um, and this is a very intensive process and it helps ensure that the data stands up to the rigor and the scrutiny um, mm. of the scientific process. Um, And the researchers will also look at more data sets and see how consumption of foods and beverages from the diet can affect their health. Um, And that's like we were just talking about with populations known as epidemiology. And I find this personally to be a very fascinating field. Um, And the experts will reveal things that we didn't really previously know, which I think is really cool. Um, And this process, it's repeated many times over, and the goal is really to see if, you know, multiple scientific studies um, kind of point towards the same kind of conclusion.
0: Now, the NCAA uh, declares this on its website, quote, the latest U.S. dietary guidelines recently made an unprecedented recommendation for coffee as part of a healthy lifestyle, end quote. That's with findings related to cancer, longevity of life, cardiovascular disease. I think you actually covered some of these when we first started speaking. There's so much information out there about what is and isn't good for us. What does it come down to? Does it come down to the process? Like whether or not we can trust the research? Or how can we trust claims? or How how can we be the wiser even when we see something in the media that, that is maybe hard to believe?
1: And I'll say even me as a consumer... I find a lot of the information out there can be very confusing. Um, There's information coming at you from many different directions and sources. It's information that's available online, um, in the media. And I think the best advice I can give both as a scientist, a professional, and even personally, um, is to get the information from trusted, um, reliable sources. These are sources that, like for me, I find to be highly credible um, and have, um, the documented expertise and qualifications in a field. Um, my go-to resources are like for coffee health are medical doctors and physicians. Um, and they're also just highly credible news sources. I say, I personally tend to stay away from information on social media, so-called experts on blogs, um, who maybe are trying to hawk their, their wares or services. Um, and even maybe some questionable sources unless they link back to a credible source. Um, so okay. if I mm-hmm. read a study, um, like I tend to, like I I listen to, I watch a lot of videos, but then I read too, and I'm often even looking for their, their references.
0: I guess the important thing, as you're saying this, I was remembering, you know, something I learned at some point in my education, which is like, if it's not a primary source to begin with, it's being interpreted somehow for you, right? So this idea of, like, as soon as somebody other than the scientific research paper is telling you something about the paper, it's no longer primary. It's being somewhat interpreted. And the further down the line you go, it, it becomes more and more interpreted. And then you have this whole—what's uh, that game you play in, like, kindergarten with the— uh, Oh,
1: called? yeah, like like telephone? Yeah, um, yeah. Yes, you and and then by the time you get to the end, it usually has like absolutely nothing yeah. to do with coffee gives you wings or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's good.
0: Get, yeah, I, I guess here we'll we'll revisit the idea of association. So, say somebody says, you know, coffee drinking is associated with a lower risk of colon cancer in women, which I think is a real claim. Why should we take action on associations? I guess we kind of covered this, but maybe I'm asking more directly this time.
1: And and I think. And I know we touched on this in an earlier question, but I think here we can actually go a little more in depth. An association in in the medical sense, it's a statistical relationship um, between two or more um, variables or factors. Um, and researchers would have analyzed the data and used um, the advanced statistical methods to figure out if there's a relationship. Associations are important to identify, and that's because they can help affect um, diet advice, and even identify possible new ways to help reduce disease in, in humans. And I'll give you an example. Um, coffee drinking, it's associated with a lower risk of, um, the, the term is called uterine endometrial cancer in women, so like endometrial cancer. And this was determined by the review um, by the World Health Organization, their international agency for research on cancer, when they actually looked at coffee in 2016. And they actually found they reduced their rating um, to that considered coffee was unclassifiable. And then they even found it helped um, lower disease risk in a few instances, one of which was um, endometrial cancer. And then I'll say if, for example, maybe in a genetic test, you find out that you have a genetic predisposition. Um, to develop a certain chronic disease. But then if you learn that maybe, for example, drinking coffee could actually help prevent this disease, then wouldn't you maybe then want to take steps to help prevent the disease from occurring? And this could be done very simply, possibly help you lead a longer and healthier life um, and maybe even help reduce medical expenses down the road. So, for example, um, if you find coffee can help with, you know, we mentioned maybe Help prevent type two diabetes um, or other things. Then maybe if you drink an extra cup of coffee a day, um, it could help you know stave off these things later in life.
0: the The idea of associations versus causality is something I think I will be chewing on for the rest of my life as a human who thinks. Um, but it's helpful to know that there is. We don't have to be so uncertain that if the research is pointing and saying, "Hey." This, this leads us to some nu- nutritional advice that we can, you know, sort of hang our hat on that's better than nothing, right? Like it, it's if, if else we did nothing with the association, I guess we would just never make any changes. Or
1: No, and, and it's a good point because in the medical research, they tend to be very conservative, but we still need to be able to help give, you know, consumers um, for medical professionals, they want to give dietary advice to patients, you know, because um, Hippocrates, when he was quoted as saying, let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food, it's really important to think about what you eat, how that affects your body. Hmm. Um, And if there are any ways we can do that, proving it, you know, certainly, we want to be able to, it's nice to be able to prove it in the research, um, but any way that we can help consumers make informed decisions so that um, on how their diet affects their health. I, I think that's moving us, you know, in the, the right direction. Um, just, you know, making, helping consumers make informed decisions.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm trying not to take us off the trail here, but I'm having this thought about anecdotal evidence, right? Being sort of the weakest, I think, form of evidence for something. So that'd be like, uh, I don't know, I drink coffee for a month straight and I say, uh, wow, my I, my health feels better or I've not really measured anything, but I feel better. So I measured my feelings and or the opposite. I, I didn't drink coffee for a month and man, my life is just turned around kind of thing. OK, so that's like anecdotal, right? But what we're talking about is evidence based, you know, researched um, by by qualified individuals who are trained, uh, who come to conclusions and say, hey, these are strong associations we found across uh, a complex uh, uh, sample population. And we, we are going to give this advice, even though we're being conservative with it and say, Hey, coffee, you should, you should pick up a cup of coffee and drink it. Cause it's good for your health. Is that kind of,
1: you're right. No, you're Okay. Right. And it's the, the challenge I will say first, just like with anecdotal advice is, you know, sometimes it's like we, you know, we've seen even this year with many, you know, many challenges in the medical community with the challenges we've had and sometimes things may not work if they're just you know because it's not scientifically proven yet but the fact that if we have that science-based evidence that it really helps give a strong platform like it gives it legs to say that Mm -hmm. uh, you know in this case we can actually feel confident behind the advice that we're giving it it, it gives you a sense of validation or you feel confident behind it As opposed to sometimes with things that are anecdotal, like you just don't know. Um, In this case, I feel like we can give consumers a level of confidence and reassurance.
0: You're bringing up too this really interesting relationship that there is between trust, which I feel like propels change in these circumstances. So say like people don't know how they feel about coffee. I think that's just a general like I'm generalizing, but I think most people I talk to don't talk about coffee as it pertains to their health. And if they do, it's the it's typically like, "Oh, you know it's a caffeine knock. it's like, well, there's caffeine and coffee kind of thing so they knock it, but what I'm thinking is maybe I'm postulating here, maybe um consumers at large don't know where to get this information or They've been misinformed or there's like maybe not distrust, but there isn't like rapport with the scientific research there is for coffee. So maybe that's a thing. But say like you have a friend who has this anecdotal evidence and you really trust this friend and they go off of coffee for a month or they drink only coffee for a month or something. Right. And they do this thing and you trust them. There's this like propelling nature of trust for a person making a decision like if i trust my friend who tells me you know hey i i drank coffee for a month straight and my my health feels better you might make that decision because you trust your friend like you you put more weight or you give more credit to that claim that maybe you give to a research paper that you don't know how to dissect anyway i'm kind of just thinking out loud here which happens sometimes on the show <laughs> but uh
1: like and i'll say there is something to behind that where it's like you put trust in your, You're very, I think many of us are very cautious with what we put trust in, like we've learned, you know, we've learned to be skeptical with many things. And, you know, it's like, do you trust your doctor, when she or he may tell you something? Um, or, you know, your friends, your parents, it's, it, it gets back to again, that, that credibility, how much do you trust the source that you're getting your information from. And I think that's something that even here, you know, today we're talking through it and I think you're getting at, we want to make sure that people feel that they can trust wherever they're getting their information from and we're helping them maybe weigh out what to think about um, and where, you know, where to look um, to get that information. So I think it's a good, good, important, you know, thing that you raised.
0: Well, we're going to jump right into the deep end with, you know, I've worked in cafes for a long time. Well, a long time is short for some people who been in coffee much longer than me. But for a good while, a uh, better part of a decade, and I've heard the caffeine is bad for me story so many times. I think it's worth talking about. And I'm just going to ask you, based on what you what you know, what you've read, I know you do a lot of research about the research. Is caffeine bad for me?
1: For decades, there's been mixed messages on caffeine. And, you know, even a single cup of coffee has over a thousand natural compounds in it, many with their own unique health benefits. Um, And caffeine is just one of them. Everything from your genes, um, gender to tolerance um, and habits um, can impact how caffeine affects you, even like your metabolism. And people should listen to their bodies. And do what's right for them for some people, the right thing may even be you know drinking a cup of decaf coffee, so you know really many things can go into um can go into this
0: uh yeah, so there's a lot of variables it's not a simple there's not a simple answer to this. I kind of knew that going into it. The thing that really struck me when I was talking with Donna was uh she just said this um in such a swift way she said uh, something like coffee isn't caffeine and To me, like it's obvious, but uh, you also see those t-shirts, right? Or these cups or mugs or whatever. And they're basically uh, reducing coffee down to caffeine. But the way she put it was like, but there's good decaf. And you still get the health benefits if you drink decaf. I don't know. For me, it was kind of a revelation. It was kind of like, well, duh, I know this. But I think as an industry, we need to take our messaging and maybe talk about how they're not equivalent. Or say like, hey, because there is really good decaf out there too. Maybe, maybe that's just my tidbit. I'm giving too many tidbits in this interview.
1: <laughs> no, but, no, but I, it's it's great because, for example, I'm drinking decaf right now actually, um, yeah. and I do that. You know, you know, a, a lot of people just think of caffeine in coffee, and then they don't think about all the other things that are in it. And science we're still figuring out what's in it, and then even what constituents within roasted coffee. Um, Mm -hmm. can actually, you know, how can those things affect your health in different ways? Um, I was in meetings yesterday, we were just talking about that. So I think that's something that, you know, as we continue, and I'm so happy that we get to talk about coffee and health is if you can tell, I could talk about like this all day long, Um, (laughs) but we're still learning and I think it's still early, but I agree. I think it's important for consumers to think about there's more in their cup than just caffeine. um,
0: Yeah. I'm getting the feeling, too, you know, back to your work on on food that ends up in Mars. I th- I'm pretty certain coffee is going to end up there because we're going to realize we need coffee on Mars. We need we, we need do. astronauts to be drinking do. coffee. So we do. We, yep. <laughs> we, we've had the pleasure of having an astronaut on the show who's had coffee, literally drinking coffee in space. So, uh, yeah, maybe that'll be us someday. Maybe maybe we'll be on our way to Mars drinking coffee. Okay. That was so off track. I want to jump into some other results, some other claims that we've seen. And I'm going to just keep in mind the difference between association or the definition of association in the context of these results. And maybe you can clear things up as we go. But let's talk about a few of the results that we've seen in the research in coffee. So as it pertains to health. So the first one, coffee can help fight depression. Can you give us some context?
1: Sure. Coffee itself, it's actually a mood booster. Beyond that, um, there's actually even clear and continuously expanding growing evidence that coffee drinkers are significantly um, less likely to be depressed. In fact, um, there was a landmark study published in 2011 um, that looked at more than 50,000 women and found that drinking at least two cups of coffee a day actually decreased the risk of depression by 20%. There were Hmm. even... Meta-analyses of studies that looked at more than 300,000 individuals and found that each cup of coffee reduced the risk of depression by about 8%, with the greatest benefit at four cups of coffee a day. Even recently, an analysis conducted by Dr. Alan Levitin, he's an MD at Harvard, and he looked at over 100 independent peer-reviewed studies and concluded that coffee has a consistent and significant positive impact on mental health. These health benefits uh, may stem from coffee's um, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties and even the caffeine content. Okay. And then one yeah. point, even there was a study published by the Korea um, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and people who drank at least two cups of coffee a day experienced a 32% lower prevalence of depression than people who did not drink coffee.
0: So my assumption here... I mean, this is not a fair question. This may not be a fair question, uh, you know, unless you had the research right in front of you. But my assumption is that they're they're controlling the idea that maybe somebody who already isn't depressed just drinks more coffee. Do you get what I'm saying? So, like, um, the idea that, you know, depending, I'm sure that, like, they must control for that because of the nature of the experience, uh, of the experiment, is they want to understand its impact on on, I guess, mood and depression and things like this. So they probably control for mood before and mood after kind of thing. I don't know, but this would require more legwork on my end to like go verify that kind of thing.
1: No, but these are, these are great, and I'm so glad you're really trying to like dig into the research because not everyone does that. Um, and, and, And even the studies I'm talking about, like I know I don't have them all in front of me. And sometimes when you're looking at many, you know, they controlled them in different ways, but they are like a good study will control for that. Like you'll look at you'll have like your control group. They'll do maybe like behavioral assessments. Um, they'll look for, yeah. um, you know, like depression before, after they'll track people for a certain length of time. Um, They'll look at their, you know, their coffee drinking habits, they'll look at other things to do their assessment. But it's great that you're kind of digging into it um, to see, you know, how, you know, how they control for these things.
0: I, I will say too, there's this really great connection between, and maybe I can draw this connection for some of my listeners who are obsessive at home with their sort of coffee science brewing techniques, is there is this idea of controlling for variables so that you can... Have a more nuanced dial on your how your coffee ends up, how it brews. And so it seems to me that's the same process that we see in good scientific research where they control for things that you don't want to distort your results with.
1: Exactly. It's in this case, it's called the scientific word is confounding. But like, what does that mean? That means like you're controlling for the research. So rather than just seeing, does X cause why or something like that instead you're saying well to get to why was that influenced by other you know variables other kind of underlying issues um and it could be like what's the rate that your body metabolizes caffeine does someone smoke um you know just things like that that can actually influence the results and so they control this confounding um to make sure because otherwise it could like cloud you know my I'm 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 trying to speak a, like at a very ba- basic level. Please do. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it, you're controlling um for things that could otherwise influence what that final result is. Yep. And when you remove these like potential confounding factors that could cloud the result, you're then able to see What you're trying to get at is saying, what is the cause and effect? Or in this case, at least we could see what is the clear association between this, what you're eating or this kind of behavior or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. with the end result. Um, And so you're helping remove almost like that noise out of the experiment to see, you know, getting it close to what that association is between those, you know, between that one or few factors that you're looking at.
0: So um, another claim is... That coffee improves performance and cognition during exercise and competition. So break that one down for us if you don't mind.
1: Drinking coffee can actually help activate nerve cells in your brain. They're associated with focused and increased energy. In 2017, uh, there was a study that showed competitive cyclists um, finished their races 30 minutes faster um, after drinking four cups of coffee, a of coffee. um, <laughs> this sounds then,
0: like a, sounds like a cartoon.
1: It, it does. Like yeah. even I, I like to cycle and run and I don't know if I could drink four cups of coffee, but I will, you know, even when you say there's that anecdotal evidence, yeah. but certainly you can feel it with, with coffee. And then there was even another study that found that, um, caffeine helps, um, triathlon competitors where it reduced their swim times by almost 4%. And then there are even many elite professional athletes that actually depend on coffee to perform their best. Um, So for sports lovers out there, we have the Dallas Cowboys um, linebacker Sean Lee actually drinks black coffee on the sidelines during his games to improve his intensity and endurance. And then for the Portland Trailblazers, um, they actually drink French press um, and it's locally roasted, and coffee in their locker room to keep them um, focused on the court. Cool to see you have even professional athletes that you know recognize and drink coffee regularly.
0: And would this be would this be a study where? Because we're saying when we say something like uh, you know thirty minutes faster, um, we're saying more or less. Sorry, I'm going to go back to the causality because I want to be careful. So are we are we saying like in the case of the cyclists? 30 minutes faster, it was observed that there was an association with those who had 30 minutes on their competition behind them, I guess, or 30 minutes faster than the average non-coffee drinking cyclist. That is, again, like a strong association that we're saying, like, it's strong enough that we can kind of hang our hat on. Is that the same kind of, is that question making sense?
1: And I don't have this one in front of me either, but in this case, they would compare cyclists like who didn't drink coffee, um, versus ones that have, and then to see what is that type of, and, and they're, they're generally like, you know, they'll, they'll control for various things in the study. And then they'll look to see by then drinking coffee, how does that impact their racing time? Yes. Um, Okay. And so, and when you get to 30 minutes faster (laughs) with four cups of coffee, yeah, Yeah. it's a pretty significant difference.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, sorry. I hope that the question's not getting annoying. I'm trying to really like, draw the line for myself. And while not doubting the results still, you know, I I think that my the way my mind has changed recently about coffee, or, or things in general, when it comes to scientific evidence, is I want to be still skeptical, but I want to pursue my curiosity instead of allow my skepticism to keep me ignorant. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to err on the side of if I can, if I have the time, or if there's a really reliable um, second secondary resource that I can go to, so like a really reliable news resource or something, that I can get as close to the truth as I can on the research um, and be open to having my mind change instead of allow skepticism to let me just doubt it and thus not make any change.
1: And I think if I can just add, like, even as a scientist, like we're actually trained to be skeptical. Like you don't yeah. just assume something. And and it's good to have a healthy dose of skepticism so that you're hungry, you're passionate to dig at whatever that truth is. And you actually want to understand why things are the way they are. But then you also can way through, you know, in this case, the evidence, the science to then help yourself, you can help others interpret that, you know, you work with people that can help you get to that. and like, that's why we work with medical doctors and researchers, um, to help us then interpret that science to then get at what is the conclusion. And so mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that you're helping your listeners get to that place. Um, you know, and, and so we're, we're doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting, um, to help them, you know, then make that, that you know, that educated decision.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My next question before we get into our closing questions, I have this strange experience that people uh, who get to know me, and sometimes, you know, in a crowd or whatever, the podcast comes up. And then uh, for some reason, this question comes up and it's a health related question and it's kind of a bold question, but they'll say, why does coffee make me go to the bathroom? I could go online. I could read about it. But, you know, this is podcast material. So what? what's what's the deal? What's the deal with coffee and trips to the restroom? I see a strong association between drinking coffee and trips to the restroom. Number of trips to the restroom. What do you think?
1: Sure. When we drink coffee, um, it actually provides us energy. Well, the same goes for our colon. Uh, when we drink caffeine... Um, our colon and intestinal muscles, I know this might get, people get a little squirmy, but um, our colon and intestinal muscles actually can become more active and contract. Um, and that actually pushes out the contents through your system. So it actually <laughs> activates those muscles. Okay. Um, okay. And so then, if I
0: drink decaf, I probably might be in the clear is what you're saying. Because well, there's...
1: And even I, I will say, well, and, and this is where researchers still aren't necessary like we don't know hundred percent what in coffee causes it but oh, okay. there is there is some research um, that shows or attributes this to caffeine um, but there are also some studies have shown that decaf coffee still produces the same effect um, <laughs> though maybe, yeah, so yeah, but but maybe to a lesser extent um, so so that's just you know there are other things in coffee that we still maybe don't know of what's yeah. producing that, that effect
0: Okay, that's great. It's good to know that even if I switch to decaf, there's something about coffee that is just, yeah, it's just there with you. Okay, cool. Now, yeah, there's going to be people who appreciate that question and there's certainly going to be people going, Jesse, what the heck? So that's okay. I'm okay with that. Let's uh, head on over to our closing questions. We've implied this over the whole show, uh, over the whole interview. It's obvious to me. Now, I haven't taken taken an official survey, but it seems to me a lot of, I'll say consumers, are confused about coffee and their health. We said there's a lot of information coming from a lot of different places. Everybody's confused, I feel like, about a lot of things, but coffee seems to to really be confusing for people. So is there anything that bothers you, especially about this reality? And maybe you can give me some insight into why you think coffee suffers more than other things.
1: I'll say first that My concern is that consumers um, get factual information from reliable and credible sources. I've seen and heard many stories and references to coffee and health that only convey partial or inaccurate information, and I hope consumers can get accurate information from those reliable, incredible sources. And even, you know, there are certain trustworthy sources that even I'll go to for information. And then as part of my job, um, you know, even part of my job is actually to compile the scientific information and go through it, you know, and then to make that available to our members in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really goes back to getting, you know, making sure that you get factual information from reliable and credible sources.
0: And I guess the obvious downside to bad information about coffee, especially if it's good for our bodies, as the science seems to say, I guess the negative side is people just don't get to tap into that or the inaccurate information causes people to opt out of coffee when maybe it's going to be good for them. Maybe it'll be good for their body. Um, We talked with Donna about how it uh, seems to have restorative properties for the liver um, And so you got to think like whenever we spread something, we're spreading information that somebody else might make a decision on. And a decision away from coffee is sounding less and less like a good idea. But again, it's going to be everybody's uh, body is going to be, you know, susceptible to a different need.
1: We all know our own bodies and it's important to, you know, follow what our bodies want. And then we certainly follow to we all go to our physician um, you know, we follow what they say, too. But I, I like most people to feel, you know, um, informed about what it is they're, in this case, drinking and enjoying coffee, you know, because we know many, many consumers enjoy their daily cup of coffee. And it's actually okay to, you know, if you want to drink that extra cup of coffee in a day, because um, it maybe be good for you. Look out for when you see these headlines. because um, I know one of your earlier questions was why does coffee seem to be in the limelight for, um, you know, a lot of confusion. And it's, I, and I don't know whether it's news headlines or different viewpoints from people, but my job is just to make sure that you have the information, you know, so then you can decide for yourself.
0: Well, can you tell us what you're working on right now and how can our listeners be a part?
1: Oh, sure. Um, so many exciting things. Uh, I feel like at least, um, My my life is never boring. Um, I'm working on uh, a number of urgent issues for the coffee industry. Um, I thought I'd just give you like three of them. I don't know if we could go without saying, you know, COVID nineteen. The fact that you know even how um, we're doing so many things virtually now instead of in person. um, But I'm constantly reviewing sources from you know government medical information sources on COVID nineteen. Um, and that's gone into both, like for us, the resources we have available for um, on our organization's website. Also, we created a COVID guide for reopening coffee businesses. Um, so I'm constantly looking to see how we can update that with the most, mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of latest um, information. I'm also working on right now, the USDA is, um, has a proposed rule for strengthening organic enforcement. Um, So for that USDA organic, which I know applies to a lot of people, a lot of stakeholders in the coffee value chain. Um, So I'm going through that and kind of sorting through what may that mean to our industry. A third different topic, I'm actually looking at cold brew. Um, and cold brew food safety and hmm, um, okay, looking yeah. at research and areas within that. So they're all things that are kind of late breaking that are happening. And I think for me, it's either, um, you know, certainly our NCA members have access to a lot of this information, but then um, how, you know, um, you can just listen to us through um, other communications. Um, I'm glad, you know, we can do like a podcast here today so you can get the information in, in different ways.
0: Very cool. Now, We've come to the very last few questions, and you know what they are, so I'm actually going to let you just uh, take off with them.
1: Oh, sure. Um, So I I love one of the questions that um, I actually love um, getting this, which is, you know, what is the best piece of advice that I've ever received in life? Um, And for this question, I'm actually speaking personally. Um, This is where I'm taking off my, you know, like my day job hat and, and speaking personally for myself. I don't settle for less or take no for an answer. Um, Where there is a will, there's a way. Be persistent. You may not succeed the first time or even the first several times, but eventually you will get a door open for you. Hmm. Um, And and here, I'm going to give you a few examples. Um, I was actually advised not to pursue a PhD in life or even go into the science field. Oh, um, wow. So this, yeah. Can you believe as it was considered too lofty of a goal? Um, but mm. now you can see where I am. Um, also, um, I identify as gay in the LGBT space. Um, and that's presented many challenges for me in life. Um, and despite, you know, getting flack and other things, um, getting through the adversity, I've still got to be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and now um, I'm trying to help and advocate for the coffee community um, and other communities, um, every day, using science and facts, and and I found, especially in twenty twenty, this is now really more important than ever. Um, you know, helping everyone make informed decisions. You know, for their own issues.
0: No, thank you for sharing those. And I imagine you have an idea for what you would want the main takeaway to be for our listeners. What what would you like that to be for this conversation?
1: Sure, and this is just very short and sweet. Um, it's you You should feel better about drinking that extra cup of coffee um, as it can actually be good for you.
0: Well, good. Yeah, well, definitely you can put that on a T-shirt, I guess. Exactly. That
1: would be my quote for my T-shirt.
0: In our next episode, we learn a little more about coffee and health science, specifically about how coffee might impact our livers. Stay tuned next week. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, and until next time, happy brewing.